date to your potential, inspiring, educating, and empowering single members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our hosts are Peggy Matheson, betrayal trauma recovery expert, and Sharon Collier, certified life and relationship coach. Hi, everybody. Boy, everybody liked our last podcast, Summer Courage. They did. About dating ideas and Getting into summer and, you know. Being courageous and actually asking people out. Uh, yeah. So anyway, if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to that. It's, it's getting a lot of great success. Today, we're going to talk about the difference between attachment and love. And Sharon's got some really great stuff we're going to talk about. Sharon, first of all, you said you don't want to talk about all the different styles of attachment. No. Why? So in all four and a half years of coaching, I get people who talk about the attachment styles. Number one, they're not worried about their own. They're worried about the other person. The other person that's probably on again, off again, that's not fully committed. That's like really showing them bad behavior and they make excuses because maybe they're an avoidant. Oh, so they, so, so they're focusing on other people. They're and focusing on other people. So if everybody took care of their own attachment style, if you want to look up attachment styles and see where you're at, Everybody needs to work on their own attachment style. Yeah. If you're an avoidant, you need to fix that. You can't fix somebody else. And everybody being worried about everybody else's attachment style does not make a healthy relationship. (laughs) So when people tell me that, well, they're an avoidant and I really need to be patient. No, you don't. You need to get out of there. You need to get out of of there and, and they need to take care of their stuff. Right. All right. So there's my soapbox on that. Yeah. Soapbox. Okay. So how, how do we attach? So if you go back and listen to Love Chemicals, because we refer people to Love Chemicals all the time, we literally attach through chemicals. So It's just biology. It's just biology. It's our brain chemicals. We've got dopamine going on. We've got oxytocin going on. Um, dopamine does a lot of things for us, and it really stimulates our pleasure centers. Um, a lot like crack cocaine. Ooh, I know. So when people say you're addicted to love, it presents like an addiction. And a lot of times we get attached to the wrong person, but we think it's love because this is a very powerful um, bond we have with this person. We have right? lots this, of feelings around it. It just feels so... Especially if there's a strong attraction. So a lot of times people get attached to somebody and they are positive it's love. If I, if I tell somebody in an abusive situation, well, you need to get out. You need to get out and, and not look back. And they'll say, well, I can't do that because I love them. And it's like, no, you don't love them because love is reciprocal. Yes. And if you're in love, that means to me, there's two parties involved. <laughs> you're right. in something with somebody else. And so a lot of times you can't have strong feelings for somebody, but a lot of times it's our attachment. When we break up with someone and think, why did I just break up with them? It usually takes what, five days to two weeks and you start going, oh my gosh, I need to get back together with them. Right. You know, I, right. I can handle it. And you can look at a list of things that they're doing wrong and still be super attached. And this is our dopamine talking to us. Mm-hmm. And our oxytocin, our oxytocin comes when we're physical with people, um, of, Nursing moms actually flood oxytocin. We've talked about this and we talk about it in Love Chemicals. Um, It's bonding. Yes. It's very bonding. And people talk about the hug hormone or the sex hormone or the kissing hormone. They call oxytocin all sorts of different things because we flood it. So 
this is how our attachment works and why it's kind of dangerous. It can be if you're not aware, especially if you're not aware. Yeah. I think the more you're aware, the easier it is for you to separate this out. At least I found that for myself. So self-awareness is big. It really is. And, you know, you and I as coaches, we get a lot more self-awareness because we talk about, you know, and and it's easier for us because we talk about self-awareness all the time and we see ourselves and clients and, and things like that, but not everybody has the opportunity to coach. But when I do conferences, people will come up to me after and say, thank you for explaining that because that makes so much sense now. Like I feel so much better about this last breakup because I was feeling bad about it. And he was a jerk or she was a jerk. Yeah, the knowledge is super important. It's just just empowering to know the reason why things didn't work out or why you're feeling the way you are. Super empowering. And such a big part in my journey personally um, to really detach myself from toxic people. Oh, yeah. Because I'm just aware. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. Yep. So, so that's how we attach is the chemicals. Yes. So, so, but, but that's not love. No, no. It feels like love. It's exciting. Dopamine and our pleasure centers. Um, we produce dopamine. If we go on a trip, our anticipation hormone is dopamine. Dopamine does a lot of things. There's a lot of ways we produce dopamine. There's a lot of healthy ways. Marking things off a list produces dopamine Mm -hmm. and dopamine makes us happy. So we literally think this person is making us happy. Hmm. And, you know, we're going to talk about infatuation a little bit later. Sometimes our dopamine um, dies off. You know, sometimes it just kind of fades in the infatuation period. And it's like, oh, wait, I really liked that person. They were making me so happy. But that's the wrong attitude anyways. You need to be happy. Somebody needs to add to your happiness. Somebody needs to not make you happy. We're going to talk about all of this stuff. Cool. Should we talk about the why? Yes. Why do we attach? Why do we attach? Things that make us attached is more what more we should, appropriate, yes, more yeah. what we should call things this. that make us attached. Um, we just talked about affection. When you were affectionate, even touching, holding hands can make us feel attached to a person, um, especially kissing. So anytime we're affectionate with somebody, this is our oxytocin flooding. And interesting fact that men um, don't produce as much as women. Women sometimes can produce three to nine times more. Of the, Oxy, of oxytocin. oxytocin so, when they're touching. Yeah, so when my guy friends are like, how come I can't kiss a girl without her thinking we're getting married? It's their oxytocin going, woohoo, you know, and they're very attached. We've talked about this yes, before, but it's worth repeating. It is definitely. <laughs> to know that when you touch a woman, there's a lot more, hor- you know, this oxytocin is just off the charts for right. her. So if she's putting up boundaries and not wanting to touch right away, Guys, that's recognize okay. that that's okay and that's necessary for her. But when you're really attracted to somebody, when our pheromone level is high, that's really hard. That's yes, really, it really is. hard. You think about just being attracted to like one of your guy friends even and back rubs and little touchy things here and there. And it just kind of connects us. It does. And like the crush is worse. <laughs> it just gets worse. It's like he's in my group and he's just a guy friend and he's not interested. But wow, you know, so, you know, be aware of the touch barrier, you know, of breaking the touch barrier. And this is why I say, let's wait, let's wait to start kissing. And we've talked about this a million times. Right. Everybody knows that's one of my soapboxes. Right. Is just wait, wait till you find you have things in common. Because guess what? When the, all those chemicals and hormones start going, woohoo. 
you know. But you, it would be so much better if you know that this is someone you could really the, go down this road yes, with. That there's that a you possibility have here. Some other really great connections that work besides yeah. just the physical. Well, if people start making up things they have in common. <laughs> you know, they start. You know, it's like, oh yeah, well we're both members of the church and. <laughs> We both like eating and drinking and we breathe air, you know, and they start because, you know, they really, there's not enough glue. So just be careful. Be careful with that one. Okay. Second one, spending time together. So these are the first, these are the top two, right? These are the top two. Number one, affection. Number two, spending time together. Yes. Just spending time together. Yes. Um, Like people who take care of the elderly that spend a lot of time, a lot of times they take it harder than the family does when they die. Because they've connected, you know, just so much time that they've spent together. And that's, you know, we're going to talk about some red flags earlier. That's why it's important we don't ignore red flags. Because the longer we spend with somebody, the more attached we feel. And we've put all this, we have all this history and we've put all this effort into the relationship. And it just, um, it's, it's just connecting us. So it's just really important that we are aware of red flags. Yes. And then strong physical chemistry. We just talked about that. When you have a big pheromonal response, and for those who haven't listened to Love Chemicals, I'll just give you a brief. They say hormones come in through our nose. It's like we like somebody's invisible smell. So I always, I don't always, but I, let's picture this on a scale of 1 to 100. Because sometimes you're attracted to somebody you don't even expect to be attracted to, Right. You're like, woo, what is going mm-hmm, on? Like, mm-hmm. I want to throw myself in their lap. And uh, so that would be closer to like 100. But let's say you meet some guy, new guy in your group or new girl in your group who's fairly attractive. And it's like, oh, well, she's fairly or he's fairly attractive, but they don't do much for me. Or we, I have a ton in common with that person, but like my attraction level to them is like a 20 or a 10. And so, I mean, if you think of it in regards to that way, because everybody's probably gone through this. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that person just like knocked my socks off and you don't know why. And it's your pheromonal response. They say it goes in and t- uh, tickles your hypothalamus that's in charge of your And horse. this is through the scent. This is through like an invisible smell. It's not necessarily their cologne or their body odor or anything like that. It is like it's our invisible smell. They say that's why uh, women pair up on their periods. Interesting. Is a pheromonal response. So hmm. I've heard that before. I don't, I, I haven't researched it lately, but anyways, um, it's a thing. So we need to be careful when we have a strong physical chemistry to someone, you know, <laughs> make sure again, we have enough in common if right. we're going to date them or not get into physical affection really fast. What I really like about this is that it's kind of piecing out the different parts of attachment, but Mm -hmm. also different kind of parts of what a relationship, what's a relationship's made of. Yes. And I think if we become aware of this, it's going to be really helpful for us to navigate through times when we meet someone and we have a high pheromonal response. And yet we realize that there's this great divide between them and us on other, on on other other levels. levels. Yes. So to be able to say, Oh, okay, that's just what that is. Yeah. Rather than jumping to, Oh my gosh, this must be my eternal companion. It's a spiritual (laughs) thing. Yes. A lot of times it is very physical. Yes. Right. So just something to be aware of. Um, the next one 
is when you just get super comfortable with someone. So I have a lot of guy friends that I'm just really comfortable with, but when you're in a relationship with somebody and sparks are flying and stuff, and maybe those die off a little bit, because that kind of always happens, our hormones change and everything during different parts of different relationships, just when you're super comfortable and you just spend too much time. You know, it's the time thing again. It's like, I've spent all this time and we've got all this history and stuff and people stick around um, for these relationships because you just are really attached. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's your person. And while you're with them, and maybe they're not a bad person at all, but while you're with them, you're not finding your person. Correct. You're, they're a placeholder. Yes. And that's, that's hard, I think, for a lot of people to let that go. And say, if you really want to find your person, you're going to have to let go of that placeholder that's keeping pla- the the space the yeah. place in your life where you want that that person that's your special someone to be, and that's that's going to be challenging. Yeah, and sometimes this is just a person that doesn't ever want to commit, mm-hmm. you know, but they're comfortable too. So we have this this working relationship thing going, and we kiss here and there, and we snuggle and watch movies, but. There's no commitment going on. And so it, just be aware of that kind of thing. You know, it's like I've been hanging out with the same person for years. You're not finding the right person. Right. You know, so just keep that in mind. Right. Okay. Service. Service does all sorts of things to our brain. We produce serotonin. But once again, we've got our dopamine. You know, the people we serve, we get attached to. This is why it's actually a lovely thing in a marriage. You serve your spouse because it makes you more attached. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, what a you beautiful know, thing. To kind of always be serving each other. But in a dating relationship, it's not always the best because it, it provides a connection that just sometimes isn't real. Ah, yeah. You know? I totally see that. I've, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. And then the last one on this one is... Um, experience spiritual things together this sometimes connects people that shouldn't be connected you know you've had this wonder you went to a fireside you had this wonderful connection I know a lot of bishops and stake presidents have said not to go to the temple together when you're dating because um, having spiritual experiences and feeling the spirit is often mistaken for other feelings, you know, our feelings of connection and attachment. So um, you can have spiritual experiences together. I've had spiritual experiences with um, like some of my really good friends, but it's not a reason. Right. This can be so, I think this can be so tricky, you know, being in a culture where spirituality is such a big part of what we're looking for and what we think is like, teaches us the answers that we want. Like I've had multiple spiritual experiences with, with men and some of them have been very, very deep. And I think if I wasn't aware of all the other pieces, it would have totally, I would have totally gone down a road that I think wouldn't have been the right road. Well, you think about like even just one-on-one talking about your spiritual experiences. Maybe you both had a very similar experience and you're talking about it and then you feel the spirit. And then what do you think? You feel, oh my gosh, I feel so close to you. You know, I mean, those kind of things really go through your head. Right. And so this is true. It's, it's just good to be aware. Very good to be aware. And none of these things mean that you're not in love with the person. Because attachment is a part of love. 
But just be aware that if the other pieces aren't fitting together. <laughs> pay attention to that. Yes. Pay attention. All you of the need pieces to need to be fitting together. They do. In the, in the right way. And a lot of times they fit together pretty easy. You know, these people who go to couples therapy and things while they're dating, I'm like, that's not really the plan. You know, right. things should be fitting together easier than should that. Should be easier than that. Right. So why do we attach to the wrong people? I see this. A lot. I see this a lot. Yeah. Why do we attach to the wrong people? So let's go through some ideas. Um, the first one that came to my mind was extreme loneliness. Mm. Maybe you don't have a social circle. Maybe you're um, newly divorced or widowed. And, um, you know, we get into like this, this usually causes like infatuation. Hmm where it love is a little more exciting than it should be. <laughs> you know, when I talk about the infatuation period a lot, you know, the four to five months of the exciting part of the relationship before some of the hormones start dying off. But a lot of people get into this fake love situation because they're just lonely and they need something to fill that hole. And, you know, a relationship does that, whether the person is good or bad or, you know, whatever the person is, it's they're just going to attach themselves to the first person that comes along. And we have a podcast on loneliness. So if we you do. haven't listened to it, go back and listen to yeah, that there's one because ideas. There's, there's some ideas, ideas yeah. there mm-hmm. on how to handle that. So infatuation, but what about fantasizing? I mean, what about like even just connecting with a guy or a girl online and, you know, over a few days and, and starting to get expectations or have you done this you've met somebody online maybe they're in a different state or far away in your same state and you're talking and talking and talking and find out you have some stuff in common so you start fantasizing about that you know oh we want to retire in the same place oh our house is going to be yellow and it's going to have a white picket fence and we're going to have two little dogs because we both (laughs) like little dogs and you start getting ahead of yourself is pretty much a part of infatuation, which produces dopamine. Thank you. <laughs> Peggy pays attention. <laughs> I'm glad I got it right. I thought, do, um, do I know this now? By now, do I know she this? She knows it. Um, <laughs> dopamine. And then you start thinking about it. I mean, it's so easy to do. And, and you get attached to somebody you don't even know. Right. Is that crazy? But it happens. And that is something I'm very aware of. You know, when you start chatting with someone to, to not go there. It's like, oh, we don't need to go there. I was chatting with a guy from Idaho and he was like, geez, where would we live? And I'm like, we've literally been chatting for like three days. Like, I'm not worried about where we're going to live, you know, if this works out, you know, he's like, geez, would I go have to go to Utah or would you come to Idaho? And I was like, well, we haven't even met in person. Let's talk about your, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about other things first. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's easy to kind of fantasize and get in that. And that's kind of a part of our infatuation, but does it does produce dopamine so uh just be aware of that one yeah i think that's a really really easy trap to fall into oh it's so easy well because we're all excited about it i mean yeah especially if you've been single yeah yeah, you long for that connection you long for that person that's you you're going to get together and you're just going to fly and it's going to be great and right i speak for myself i get into conversations i'm like oh this this seems like this is fun this is you know uh, and then all of a sudden it's like Yeah, like, where, like where's this going to go? Uh, and, yeah. yeah. So yeah. just make sure you're not in the place of extreme loneliness, though, because 
That'll protect you from that. Yes. If you have a a happy social life and you're out doing positive things, you're not going to be such a victim to this extreme loneliness where, you know, we can get in infatuation situations. Right. Right. Well, that's a mouthful. Infatuation situations. situations. <laughs> you don't want to get into an infatuation situation. <laughs> it kind of rolls off the tongue now, doesn't it? All right. Um, the next one would be a self-love deficit. We've talked about this before. We also have a podcast on self-love. We do. So, so we're looking for someone. I don't love me, so you need to love me. Because if you love me, maybe I'll love me. Or if you love me, maybe the things all my ex, all the things my ex said about me aren't true. So these are ways that we get attached when we are vulnerable like this, it helps we get attached to the wrong kinds of people. So this should tell us that we need to make sure that we take care of these things within ourselves before we start, you know, dating and everything, because otherwise we end up attaching to the wrong kind of person. Yes. So the self-love deficit, just make sure, make sure you're in a good place with yourself. And that includes a lot of things. So listen to the podcast. (laughs) We went right into it in the podcast. We did. There's a lot. Okay. So sometimes we attach ourselves to the wrong person because they fill a need or they validate our insecurities. So Hmm. maybe we're always having car trouble and they know cars really well. You I've know, seen this. I've seen you, this. Haven't you? And Not so, in my own life, but I've right. seen it. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh. Or maybe there's a, you're in an older home and this person just knows a lot about electricity and plumbing and, and things that you need. So they're filling a need and you're like, how on earth can I break up with, you know, what are they going to do? <laughs> well, know? filling a need to, to, for a social life too. I mean, you know, if yeah, you, yeah. if you don't uh-huh. have other things you're doing that you love to do friends and community that you're doing things with, and you're just focusing on that one person that that's filling a need it and sure is. that, you know, just be aware of that. Yeah. And then validating your insecurities. Sometimes we are left with a lot of insecurities based on things that people have said to us, our parents, our exes, you know, negative people in our life. So if somebody's validating that in an opposite way, or even you mean, you mean helping you feel like, so you're not insecure. Yes. Like the things that you feel like you're lacking, they feel like you're not, or they'll, uh, they'll validate that. So you don't feel like they're an outside source, making Uh you feel good about yourself in ways you don't feel good about yourself otherwise. Yes. Or they really speak your love language when maybe like your ex or your late spouse or somebody didn't. Oh, that's been a problem. I've seen that where, where you, where you start dating someone who's the opposite or you think is the opposite of your previous partner yes. in, in ways that you're like, oh my gosh, this feels such a need and uh-huh. and I've never had this before. And that's a big trap. Yes. That's a big it, trap. And, and I'm not saying that person isn't for you, but that person may not be for you and you need to just keep your eyes open, you know? Well, you need to do your healing work then. You need to yes. recognize, so get yourself on solid ground first. Yes. So you don't need the extra validation. Right. You so know, you, you can don't do need that without the extra, it. Yeah. The, the compliments and I things. I mean, it's super nice to have, but recognize if you're, if you are like, if it's a lifeline for you rather than you having that on your yes. own. Yes. And you know, we're still talking about why we're attaching to the wrong people, right? Yes. So next one is past sins and secrets. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> past sins and secrets. <laughs> yes. So when we get vulnerable and kind of start confessing our things to people, um, maybe their sins, maybe their secrets, maybe there's things that you've kept trapped up for years or whatever, um, that does connect us 
Absolutely. Number one. Um, and then there's always like the fear. Are they going to tell somebody? Oh, they know all my garbage. <laughs> they know all my garbage. Or, or it's they know all my garbage already and they're accepting me. So I might not find somebody else who accepts that. There's so many different elements to that. When you start getting vulnerable with people, especially over things like, you know, we're all LDS, you know, things, sins and secrets, yeah. you know, maybe crimes, maybe whatever. But um, this is another reason why people do connect to the wrong person. Um, breaking the law of chastity together. I've coached many people that think they are stuck in this relation because they have broken the law of chastity together. So they might as well stay together or they've bonded over that and they're both sinners. There's all sorts of aspects to this wow. one as well. Yeah. If, if you break the law of chastity with somebody and maybe not all the way, but even a lot of the way, that does not mean you are stuck with that person. Yeah, you can pull out of that. You can. You can get out of that. So that is not a reason. And that's a lot of times, you know, especially if we're kind of talked into that, where that's not a comfortable situation, but we get talked into it. Then it's like, oh, well, the deed is done. And now I'm a bad person with them. Or there's a lot of aspects to it. There's, so, a, there's a bonding that happens. There, yes. Wow. And it's negative. It's a negative bond, yeah. obviously, because yeah. we don't want to break the law of chastity. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. The highs and lows, I didn't know how to say this, of bad behavior. When you are stuck in an abusive relationship, it's easy to stay because the highs and lows get addictive. So you're in a low spot because they've just knocked you down several not notches verbally, right? And that puts you in a low spot. But then they show up the next day and they're like, here's flowers and I'm going to take you out to a nice dinner because I feel really bad. And I'm sorry. Yes. Even though their behavior doesn't change necessarily. But right. these lows and highs become addictive. Yeah. And they become normal. And it's, it's drama. Yes, it's a manufactured relationship tether. Yes. So a lot of people talk about um, trauma bonding. Yeah. And trauma bonding is actually not what we do in abusive relationships. The trauma bond is if, Sharon, you and I were in an earthquake together, right? we have that bond of actually having that common yes. trauma together. Mm -hmm. In an abusive relationship, there's a manufactured relationship tether that's created yes. and by the abusive person. And it's, and we've talked about this before. Haven't we talked about this oh, yeah, before? Yeah. So the trauma it's bond. That's not love and yeah, it's about abuse that's if you haven't not heard love. It. Yeah. That's one of our highest listened to podcasts, Podcast. which is super interesting, right? Um, so it is a manufactured relationship tether and it keeps pulling you back in. Yes. And the, the reason that it's important to recognize it's not a trauma bond is because it feels like when you say a trauma bond, you have no power over it. Right. Like it's always going to come back at you. You're going to always be vulnerable to another person to get you into a trauma bond. No, no. you have power. You can reclaim your voice and your power. Um, it's it can be really really challenging, but if you get the right help, you can do that. But just to be clear, this is a relationship manufactured. It yes. is made up, and when someone's doing this to you, it could be from their own trauma, yes, or it could be because they are um, an aggressive personality, and, and they that's a lot of times what it is. They're they're just about control. 
Yeah. The, the, the number one thing is you need to get out of it. But you know, if you're vulnerable in some of the other ways we've talked about, like, like, like love deficit, loneliness, past sins, like if you have a target for this, you're a target for this. So this is how you, this is how you strengthen yourself as you do your healing work. But I just wanted to bring attention to it because people don't realize they're in it. Oh, exactly. You know, people don't realize that these highs and lows, it's like, oh, he is good. Or, oh, she is good. She's trying to make up for this bad behavior. They really aren't so bad. Right. But literally those highs and lows, those, you know, it's like you get addicted to this drama. It's drama trauma. Right. You know, trauma drama. I'm not trauma, sure. Trauma drama. <laughs> Anyways, but that's what it is. And so you need to be aware of that because that it it's exciting. The lower you come from to the high is far more exciting than if it was just a very stable relationship, which sounds weird, but you need to make your stable relationship exciting if you need excitement, right, you know? Right, and that's not, an important, you know, that's a very important part, but you want to start with a stable relationship. Yes. And not one that takes you high and low. Yes. And that keeps you always in this place of wondering yeah. and longing. Well, and then you're confused all the time or right. you're on eggshells. If you feel like you're on eggshells at any point in any relationship, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Yeah. That's just not a healthy relationship. Speaking of red flags, there's there's ways, there's things that we need to look for, right? Yes. In addition, (laughs) because we're going to touch on, yes, we're going to talk about a couple other things. Some of the red flags to look for. Um, Nobody wants to think they're desperate, but desperation is one of the things we need to, it's a trap we get caught in. Okay, kind of like the loneliness. Mm-hmm. But people, and everybody goes, I'm not desperate. So desperate situations would look like my ex just got married, so I need to pair off fast. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. All my friends are getting married. Uh, maybe I'm running out of money. I'm running and, out of time. And I need to get, yeah, maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, getting older. older. <laughs> yeah. So obviously to not be in a desperate situation, you need to be living a life that you love, right? You need right. to have, you know, good hobbies and interests and a good social life and, and be practicing your spirituality and, and all our basic human needs need to be met so that we're not in a desperate situation because that does get us attached to the wrong people. Right. That and if you feel, if you're feeling some desperation, that's okay. Acknowledge it, but you don't have to live in that place. We talk about that all the time. You don't have right. to live in that place because you can't, that comes and goes. I mean, with all the things we've talked about, if an ex gets married or, yeah. you know, any number of the things we've talked about, it can feel desperate, but you don't have to live there. No. And, you know, just being aware and being able to put a name on it. Okay. I, I feel like I'm putting myself out there in a desperate way. I'm just in, in too much of a hurry. Yeah. You know, if you feel that way, then it's time to st- take a step back and maybe fill your own bucket for a minute. Right. You know, maybe right. get that extra job, you know. And if someone else is feeling desperate to you that wants to go out with you, that's also... That's a big that's, red flag. Yeah. If somebody's rush, 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 because really there's no rush to it. Right? That's right. That's right. Eternal perspective. Exactly. It's not just about this life. It's not. And I mean, and people think they need to rush into things so they don't break the law of chastity. Just have it in your brain that you're not going to break the law of chastity. Right. Make that decision ahead of time. Yeah. And hopefully when things start happening, put up your boundaries. Yep. Put the little brakes on. Yep. Okay. Um, Another little trap we fall into is we ignore early red flags. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen people do. I used to do this when I first started dating. Right. It's like yeah. you can. Oh, I can take that, or you kind of push or it aside. I haven't seen him. Oh, I need to give him another chance, or I need to give her another yeah. chance. Yeah. When really, honestly, when we start seeing red flags, people don't realize that you're allowed to speak. If you start clarifying, sometimes they're not red flags. Sometimes they're more pink, and maybe they'll turn to white. You know, if you. St- Ask about the bad behavior, because I think some people get into traps in their marriages, their previous marriages, and they don't know that they're actually doing that behavior. True. And I so think that's re- very you know, true. Very red, fair. Red, red flags are, are tricky. But, you know, if, you, if you've if you got a really good person and there's some behaviors, I mean, I tell people clarify. Absolutely. You know, communicate. Uh, open up your mouth and clarify and just say, hey, you know what? I'm confused by that behavior. That is my favorite line. <laughs> I'm confused by that behavior. Yeah. That's a great line. Yeah. It's like, okay, what happened last night? I was a little confused by, can we talk about it? And can you clarify? Because to me, it looked like this. Yeah. And I would like to hear what it looked like to you, you know? And if they're like, well, you were just being weird and it's your fault and stuff like that. Well, obviously that's a red flag. But if they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that happened. Then that's a different story. Yeah. Now, so, if that pattern happens over and over again. That's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, right. that's that's someone who's not willing to change. So can we do a visual? I'm not sure if I'd I'm re- love to do a visual, Sharon. I'm not Sharon. sure if I can do this visual because I have a visual, a big poster I made for the young men and young women in my ward where I made what I call relationship road. So picture yourself in a canyon and you're in a cute little roadster, little convertible, but the roadsters don't go really fast. So we're taking our time, right? So first we would pass what I call the mountains of fun because we want to have fun together. Right. Right. And this is putting together a good relationship anyway. So we pass the mountains of fun and we put some attachment in our trunk. Cause we get attached from because, being, yes. spending time yep, we're and spending having time fun and having fun. And it's a positive thing. So then we go past the waterfalls of good communication. We're going to call them. I think that was what, no things in common. I think there was the water, the waterfalls of things in common. And we stop there and we have a good time and we figure out we have things in common. And what do we do? We put more attachment in we're our trunk. More attached. And we, if you were looking at as attachment as a big word, we're stuffing that in the trunk. And then we go to the makeout forest. <laughs> we all like that place, right? This is the magic makeout forest. Yes. <laughs> but guess what? You both are putting arms full of attachment in that trunk. Okay. Right? Right. Absolutely. And then you go to like meet the parents canyon where we start producing dopamine because this means the relationship's going in a really good direction, right? Right. And we start putting what? More attachment in the trunk. The, the trunk lid is getting hard to shut now. Right. right? So then let's go to the bridge of good communication because we all want good communication skills, right? And what do we do there? We're stuffing more attachment in that trunk. And pretty soon we're sitting on that trunk to close it, right? It is full of attachment. So then we come to a crossroads. We're either going to get married or we're going to break up because that's where we are in the relationship, right? Right. Well, guess what? Either direction you go, you have the same amount of attachment. The attachment doesn't go away if we break up. Not not right away anyway, right? No. So if we go get married... Yay, we've got all this attachment over positive things. If we break up, we still have that trunk packed full of attachment. Attachment, yeah. And so we need to keep that in mind. So let's go back to the road and let's say the red flags were early on. We went to the mountains of fun. We picked up some attachment. 
we did the big waterfalls of things in common. And that was fun and we picked up attachment, but let's start seeing that red flags start popping, popping up. So the trunk isn't very full. Because when the red flags come up, there's not attachment. Well, because we're not that far along on the road. Ah, got it. So the red flags start popping up and let's say we just the bottom of the trunk is full. Well, that's going to be much easier to get over in a breakup than if the trunk is packed full. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is, if you go all the way up the canyon road, and you go through all these different stops along the way, and then you get to the, it, the trunk's going to be full. Very full. But there's going to be any red flags along the way, and it's going to be harder yes, to break up. Because most likely you're going to go the direction of breakup. So this is why the early red flags, it's really important to to break the relationship off early if it's not going to work, if you've clarified some red flags, if it's just the relationship isn't going to work, to break it off early. Because the less attachment you're carrying, the easier the breakup is going to be. Mm-hmm. How'd I do with the visual? Oh, I thought it was great. I was okay. following you the whole time. I could Good. see the green trees and the, the red car. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All yeah. right. So that would be ignoring early red flags. We're still on that one. Okay. The last one I wanted to talk about is connecting over negative things. So we all want things in common, right? Yes. Because that connects us. And that gives us like a happy future. We produce dopamine because we're looking forward to doing these things together. But a lot of people connect over the wrong things. Um, I always use the example, and I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't out myself. But I do not love going to gospel doctrine. That's usually the Sunday I go home. I want you to say that I accept, I want you to know that I accept you anyway. Thank you. So <laughs> and that is totally okay. <laughs> right. So the last thing I would do is to find somebody who dislikes gospel doctrine as much as I do, because then I would never, ever go and I would never, ever like it. And you might never grow in that area of your life. Exactly. So do you get the point? So let's talk about some things that maybe some, um, some of us singles, um, negative things that we bond over, like um, maybe the divorce story. Yes. Both divorce you story. have been cheated on. Mm, uh-huh. Um, yours was controlling and mine was controlling. Yes. Or yours stepped out on you. And, yes. Right, which, yes. is, which is a cheating thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that is something we don't want to connect over. That is not something. You can have the same divorce story, but that shouldn't be something that connects you together. Like a main thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh, we have so much in common. And then you start listening to it and they're all negative. Mm. This is not going to be a healthy relationship. Or then there's the parental alienation too, which I've heard. Yes, which is super common these days. You know, we don't want to attach ourselves over that. Or maybe you both hate your exes. Or maybe you both, you know... Or maybe it's talking negatively about your friends or, you know, gossiping or something like that. You have the same bad habits. Yeah. You know, so you want to connect over positive things. The things you have in common should be positive because being negative together is two negatives do not make a positive ever. Right. Right. So we've talked about the attachment, how we attach, why we attach, why we attach to the wrong people, and then some of the red flags. And I think it's really great because we've separated this out. Attachment by itself is not love. 
None of these things by themselves. And even if you can add up a lot of these things, there still needs to be, this feels right. Yes. This is moving me in every aspect of my life, the direction that I want to go. Well, and if you think about love too, love is beautiful things. It's respect and admiration. What do you admire about that person? You know, it's reciprocation. Right. There's a lot of beautiful things to love that just attachment isn't going to bring you. Right. And if, like myself, I know that I've had this, if I've had a lifetime some of, of, of not great attachment, of kind of um, not feeling good about myself or having some of these problems, it's a very different feeling to be in a relationship where that's not an issue, yes. where that's not there. There's a yes. freedom, there's a joy, there's a lightness, there's an easiness about yes. it. So that's an important thing to remember. Is it easy? Is it light? Does it, does it make, can you see a pathway forward in so many areas of your life? Yes. You know, as you're, as you're trying to figure out, is this love or is this attachment? Right. And on the flip side, are you angsty? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Do you still have questions? Yes. Are you confused? That's the time to, to really decide. It's like, am I just really attached or is this really love? Right. And is this a play, is this person a placeholder for me or... Is this person, you know, and sometimes the truth is that sometimes this person may not be your, your one and only your eternal companion. You're the one you're going to commit to for forever, but they may be a person that needs to be in your life at this time for you to heal or to help you with certain things. I know, uh, I know a lot of people that have felt that way, have that. I've had that where each relationship brings a new possibility for, for my own for my own growth and, yes. and for us to like sometimes i think we're just brought into each other's lives to comfort each other yes. to be supportive to one yes. another but that doesn't mean sometimes we, we still need to get learn to how choose to be treated right right you know? exactly and so it's like you can say you've turned a corner in this dating situation in your dating life if you've dated somebody who treats you really well even if they're not the one right and i think that's very valuable yeah it's really valuable to recognize that just because you've had a lot of great experiences with a certain person doesn't necessarily mean they're your forever person right so but they can still be a valuable part of your journey Thanks, Sharon. This has been super valuable to me. Well, awesome. (laughs) And thanks for listening, you guys. Hope you got a lot out of this. And thank you for sharing. Uh, We love it when you share. It helps us to be able to reach more people and help them in their life. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it inspired you on your dating journey. Please share this with anyone you think might benefit from what you've heard today and click the button to follow us. You can reach either Sharon or I at datetoyourpotential.com. We work with people who are single or married. We want you to know you are not alone. We support you. We are in this with you.